0: In New York, call 8778-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21+. plus Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Did you guys hear about that lady at the Ryder Cup last weekend? Some golfer drove a ball into the gallery and it hit a lady and her eyeball exploded.
2: Would you, like, be willing to have your eye be exploded for the Bills to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> I would not. <laughs> It'd be exactly like the Ryder Cup scenario. It's not like somebody like you're waiting for somebody to explode your eye. It's just like, it just happens.
3: <laughs> I still vote Bill no for me. <laughs> <laughs> Where else would you rather be than Ryder? Let's go hey, 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 let's go Buffalo.
2: The Bills make me wanna.
3: Jump! Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Circling the Wagons podcast. The only podcast that doesn't care if you win a game by throwing for less than 100 yards. Because a win is a win, baby! I'm your host, Nate, and this is our Recap Edition podcast, where we will discuss the Bills scraping a win out of the Tennessee Titans 13-12 today, a new era field to go 2-3. and If you are new to our podcast, we recap every game of the Bills season, give our thoughts, weigh in on the outcome, and celebrate or commiserate together. A lot of celebrating to do today. We also have some huge news for the podcast after our recap that we are excited to finally announce. But right now, I'm joined by my co hosts and high school buddies, John and Mike. Fellas, are you ready to discuss this victory?
2: Where else would you rather be than right here, right now?
3: Nice, John. What about you, Mike? He took the words right out of my mouth, Nate. What a win. Yeah, what a win indeed.
1: Uh, this was the second home game for the Bills so far this season. And, uh, compared to the game last week where they lost against the green Bay Packers 22 to nothing. Um, I was just looking for some offensive production, any sort of spark really to get this team going. They just couldn't get anything going last week. And we know that the bills always play better at home under Sean McDermott last season. They were six and two, um, this season they've been on one, the loss against the chargers. But as we talked about before on that podcast, it was a tale of two halves. And really, you know, just kind of seeing if they could start again what they did in Minnesota. And they did. They started off right from the beginning of the game and got a turnover. And the offense started to move the ball, which is great. They got touched on the opening drive. And things just started to go their way on the defense. The defense was great again. Um, Really not allowing a lot of points on offense either from the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, I was looking this game. I really wanted the Bills to take less sacks. I was looking to the offensive line to protect Josh Allen more. Um, the Bills came into this game leading the NFL with 21 sacks, which is by far the worst. Worst by four sacks in the rest of the league. So I um, was really looking for them to step up, and I thought they did a good job today. Pass protection and run blocking, which the running game got going for the first time this season. So I, what, what did you guys think about it?
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Going into it, I was thinking there was going to be a close game, like a one-score game. Um, I did predict the Bills' victory. Um, It was much closer than I thought it was going to be. Obviously, only being a one-point game, but um, you know the defense really showed up. They didn't allow any touchdowns. You know the offense could have produced a little bit better, but I could see the game plan. They they decided to run the ball much more, which actually really worked well. uh, They mccoy had double digit rushes for the first time this season he had nine carries was a season high before this game yeah i think it was good i mean the special teams obviously uh, left a little bit to be desired especially in the first half but uh overall they they pulled it out in the end
3: well it seemed like the the play calling like john alluded to like the coaching said, finally playing to the Bills' Strengths, right? And Tennessee is a good team, like definitely beatable, but they're streaking. They won their last three against the Texans. The Jags, who are for real, recently beat the Pats. And then they beat the Eagles, the defending Super Bowl champs last week. So I think we're used to thinking of Tennessee a little bit more of a Dormat prior to Mariota, you don't circle tennessee on the on the schedule like some of these other first class teams but they are a team on the upswing they are for real and for the bills to get this one i think it validates also the win in minnesota because around the league people one win is nothing right it could be a total fluke but to beat tennessee was huge that's what she said yeah.
1: Speaking of that,
3: we'll put a laugh track in
1: there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll put a laugh track in, make it funny somehow. Um, so, yeah, I. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Mike. Um, is, is that when I got a uh, an alert on my phone from the NFL.com app after the game, saying that Buffalo shocked the NFL, what, the NFL world once again with a big win over the upstart Titans. And I think it it really does go along with what you said, Mike, about validating the Bills' win over Minnesota, um, because the Titans were three and one going into this game with new head coach Mike Vrabel. Um, they were three and a half point favorites, and, um, and it just, there's just nobody expects the Bills' team to win. So whenever they do win, it's a big deal. So um, th- it was it was good to see that that wasn't just a fluke that game that they had won in Minnesota. It was a good win. And John, I like your point about the running game finally getting going and helping out Josh Allen from having to win the game on his arm and and just rely on that porous offensive line to protect him because it hasn't. And it didn't do an amazing job today, but they limited the amount of pass attempts. Um, it's It's kind of I kind of think it was a, a similar game plan to what they used last year. And that's kind of how they went nine and seven last year. They used the running game as a strength. And use the passing game when needed.
3: Well, McCoy had 80, 85 yards, right? Which matched his total for the whole rest of the season. Like, that's incredible. Most dynamic player on the, usually on the field. Like, he's a great running back. And you could see that today. You saw glimmers of of the player that he could be when they feed him the ball, right? He's just in space he can't be tackled he just sheds people
1: yeah you know john's been banging on the table all season for mccoy to get more touches and mike you brought up last week that the bills really needed to change up the offensive game plan and incorporate more short passes some out routes some slants and and dump offs which put less strain on Allen and the offensive line in general Uh, but not only that the defense today the defense which had been playing well since i think the second half of the chargers game came up really strong today and really just limited the titans on offense
3: the the, the fumbles were huge right the takeaways like the, the bills did eight takeaways the last three games which is huge um flip the field steal the momentum tennessee has been really good about hanging onto the ball right zero fumbles the last four games and the bills d got them for two today
1: yeah, the Bills had that one interception, too from Taryn Johnson, one of our Wall of Famers from last week's podcast. Um, I thought the offense was much more aggressive than in previous weeks. Uh, there were multiple times when McDermott went for it on fourth down in Titans territory, uh, especially after being criticized for punting it punting it on fourth down in Packers territory last week. Um Let's talk about the special teams. I thought the special teams was pretty awful (laughs) for most of the game. Um, Steven Hauschka excluded, of course. Um, I thought they really cost the Bills in terms of field position. Um, For a lot of the game, uh, the punt coverage was just atrocious for everything but that one play towards the end of the game. And uh, and that's not even including that botched punt. I mean, geez. Guys, let's talk about that botched punt. I mean, you have Corey Bohorquez. Um taking the snap for like uh, a chip shot field goal. It was like at the Titans 12 yard line right before the half. Right. And instead of um, just taking the snap and letting house kick the ball, he takes a snap and acts like he's going to throw the ball as if it's a fake field goal, but it ends up being not a fake field field goal because there's absolutely nobody going out for a pass at all. And it's like, he realized it at the last second and then pulls it back down, but by then Stephen Hauschka can't kick it because he's already run past the ball, and so then he tries to run it or throw it to nobody or an alignment. I have no idea. It was just, it was pretty awful, and it was just a, just a botch on an epic, an epic level. What would you guys think?
2: It was definitely very bizarre. He, I mean, the holder uh, was obviously the only guy who thought it was a fake punt or fake field goal. Sorry, yeah, he just. He just screwed up. There was some sort of miscommunication there.
3: You'd think of uh, something like that on such a rare play. You'd double-check, right? Like, uh, you sure? <laughs> I I just to make sure. Afterwards, right? Like
2: that last field goal, they're like, you're definitely holding it on this, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're like, we're going for the field goal, right? Like, not trying to do some sort of fake field goal touchdown pass with three seconds left in the game, right? Now, we were talking about McDermott being aggressive. Now that... Would have been aggressive and ballsy going for a, a fake field goal touchdown pass from the uh from the thirty yard line.
2: Well, wasn't you know, speaking of that, like on that drive, right? So I'm I'm all for going for it on fourth and whatever when it's too long for a field goal and too short for a punt, go for it, right? Like they did in that first first the uh, first fourth down conversion. The second one, I thought, oh, just go for the field goal, right? And they ended up calling a timeout and this and that. They wasted a couple of timeouts on that and on that drive. They ended up converting, which is great. Okay. Fine. They, they made it and they, you know, get down and on that drive, wasn't there a, like a QB sneak that played a play that stuck out my head where there was like a, a questionable challenge maybe the other team could have done but they just ran out and tried to do a real quick QB sneak. That's the play that I think was is highly questionable, right? It's like basically a waste of a down. It's like first and 10, a QB sneak for a yard. You know, they, the Bills should, like, if, if they're worried about the other team challenging a play, they want to get the ball off quickly. They should have a play, even if it's just a running play from the running back, like McCoy, not like a QB sneak on first and 10, where... More than, like, zero or one yards, right?
3: Like, that's a waste of a down. Like, if you're playing a video game, it's a half-back dive.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that I was just happy from a Bills fan perspective that they had the wherewithal to know that the call was going to be questionable and the first down might go uh, against them. So they ran up to the, to the line and, and pl- just ran a play. Just so that the other team couldn't really look at it more thoroughly and challenge the play. But yeah, John, I, I definitely see your point. I think that they should have a better play in mind other than a QB dive, because what what are they gonna get? Maybe one yard, maybe. Whereas, you know, a halfback dive or, or any any very simple running play could get, you know, <laughs> could get four or five yards and, and make the second down easier this way. They basically gave up a down and got almost no yardage. So now they're in second and long.
3: Like John's point is is a very good one, right? Like have a default. Like everybody should know, like, oh, if a questionable call, here's what we're doing for this game.
2: It it doesn't matter what it is, you can snap the ball just as quickly regardless of the play. Just know the play.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get it. Point made. Um, so let's go to our stats and numbers of the game. This segment is brought to you by our T public store. If you want to find some Bills gear that you literally can't find anywhere else on the internet. For cheap price, check out tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. 30% off sale this week, so check that out. Again, tpublic.com slash stores slash Um, Some interesting stats of the game. See, I didn't know this while watching this game just because I thought the Bills were able to move the ball decently. I know they weren't putting up a ton of points. But Josh Allen, uh, 10 for 19, only 82 yards passing today one interception I thought it would have been a little bit more than that maybe not two or three hundred yard game but more than 82 so that's kind of surprising John you mentioned LaShawn McCoy today having a good day on the ground he had 24 carries for 85 yards Chris Ivory had 14 carries for 43 yards so if you include all the carries today by LaShawn McCoy Chris Ivory Josh Allen that won by Ray Ray McLeod you would have 43 carries on the day which is Amazing! I don't know what their record is for the season, but that's a lot. Um, Yardage-wise, on the Titans' side of the ball, um, Marcus Mariota had only 129 yards passing and an interception. Team-wise, total yardage. It was definitely more of a defensive game. Only 221 yards for Tennessee and 223 yards total yards for the Buffalo Bills. And I know, John, there were uh, a couple of stats that you wanted to mention um, as far as this game goes.
2: Yeah, um yeah the, the few things I had have already somewhat been mentioned um that McDermott is now seven and three at home uh with the bills which is really good and then the other one was was McCoy right so like prior to this week his highest number of carries was nine and today he had 24 so I thought that those really big for the bills that helped a lot he's obviously a very dynamic player including his receiving yards he had over 100 yards for today I mean you got to keep giving them the ball, right?
1: Yeah. I'd say LaShawn McCoy should be touching the ball. At least what? Like 20, 20 touches a game.
2: He had 26 today. Before today, he had 13 was as high.
1: Well, you know, that was something we brought up last week is that even, you know, way into the fourth quarter of the Packers game, they were in it. You know, they could have won that game if the offense could do anything. So I don't know why they got away from the run so quickly. You know, obviously, uh, LaShawn McCoy being healthy and all. All right, let's transition to the segment of the podcast where we discuss plays of the game that stood out to us. Uh, One that stood out to me and um, probably didn't matter in the end was in the first quarter when the Bills had the ball at fourth and three at the Tennessee 40, and they decided to do a hard count, which is what it looked like at least and, and Josh Allen got called for that false start by bobbing his head or whatever. I thought that was a terrible call, first of all, because all quarterbacks do that. And then second of all, I think that if it was truly a hard count, I I just don't like that play. I think it works rarely, if ever at all. And I think that's one of those old school coaching techniques that the defensive coaches do to, you know, hopefully draw the defense off sides. But I think I've seen it happen like once or twice in all the years I've watched uh, watched football, what about you guys? Was were there any plays that stood out to you?
2: Uh, how about that uh, Hughes uh, play where uh, he let up on the sack? The sack that wasn't right, like totally thinking that well, I should let up because I'm going to get a penalty, 15 yards, they're going to get a first down, and of mm-hmm. course, that you know backed out of it, and it was incomplete, but. I mean, that could have been a huge play.
1: Yeah, that was a play where Jerry Hughes had Marcus Mariota wrapped up, but didn't actually take him down out of fear, I guess, that that he might get a penalty for you know holding him on too long or, or putting whatever the ridiculous rule is now about putting more than 50% of your body weight on the quarterback.
2: We forgot to bring him under the field
3: to lay him down a yeah. <laughs> I thought it looked like he thought Mariota got rid of the ball. Did you guys see that at all?
1: Um I I didn't see that. It's definitely possible. I thought it was just Jerry Hughes trying not to get a penalty, a Clay Matthews like penalty by sacking the guy or hitting him too hard or whatever. Um but it might have been the way that you just mentioned. So there was that play, there was the um unsportsmanlike misconduct play against Josh Allen when he was throwing the ball on third down. Um, it would have been a fourth down, but he got shoved to the ground by a Tennessee Titans player um, after he let the ball go. Uh, the, what was weird is the announcers were definitely against that call. They thought that it was it was a kind of a ticky-tacky, sort of roughing the passer call. But really, I mean, Josh Allen had let go of the ball, and he was out of bounds, yet he still got shoved to the ground. And, you know, I, I'm definitely not for the... NFL coddling quarterbacks and not letting them take hits at all. But I mean, that was warranted. He didn't have to shove him. The ball was out of his hands for a few, a few seconds. It seemed like, and I, I thought that he could have easily let up on that play and not shoved him to the ground yet. The announcers were totally against it and they thought it was kind of a ticky tack penalty. Did you guys think it was warranted at all?
2: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt that there was definitely a penalty. And even the, you know, the referee expert they, that they brought on to the broadcast afterwards said, you know, he took two stops and, you know, and then he shoved them. So it was, it was definitely a penalty. And, you know, a few plays later when they called a penalty on Dawkins, you know, that was a penalty, right? That that personal foul, that wasn't really explained or replayed.
1: Dude, I loved that play by Deion Dawkins. After Josh Allen took that hit, um, first of all, there was a little bit of a scuffle on the Titans' sideline, which is something that you never... Used to see from a Bills team if a quarterback or anyone got a late hit against them. Like look at Tre'Davious White last season; nobody stuck up for him against Gronk. Um, you know th- things like that. I I love that that the Bills. I I think that it speaks a couple of different levels. I f- I feel like this is a different nature of the team than it, than it was in previous seasons, and and also maybe this is how much they really like and respect Josh Allen because. Because of that next play, John, where um, it looked like Deion Dawkins club whoever that was in the Titans that, that shoved Josh Allen to the ground, I thought that was awesome. I, th- I thought that was great. It was encouraging. It was great to see that kind of heart and grit that, uh, to be honest, has been kind of lacking from the from the Bills in previous seasons. Oh, John, do you have a play?
2: Uh, yes, I do have one on the um, one Josh Allen interception. Andre Holmes was the intended receiver. I kind of thought that he could have. You know, kind of fought for that ball, been a little bit more aggressive on that play. And I think that just speaks to, you know, their wide receiver woes throughout the year so far.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much par for the course for Andre Holmes this season. He's been pretty much a disappointment. He's forced into a number two or number three role at wide receiver, which he shouldn't be in. Josh Allen threw a very accurate ball on that one, a a catchable ball, and he just didn't fight for it. And he's just. I don't know. It's been it's been par for the course for Andre Holmes and and the rest of the receiving core has been pretty much a disappointment all season. Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, everyone like that. So so yeah, good good point. That that INT really shouldn't have counted against Josh Allen, but it obviously does. One of the plays I was going to bring up was that pass by Mariota to that wide receiver in the end zone, and it just went through both hands, and that easily could have been the game. I don't remember the wide receivers name for the titans that was
3: nick williams drafted free agent from connecticut
1: (laughs) (laughs) cool cool nice tidbit mike uh but yeah it was nice to see that play go in the bills favor uh you know i feel like in years past we would see that go against the bills so yeah mike were there any plays that stuck out to you
3: yeah with about three minutes left in the game third down the pass to mccoy was huge it was a play of the game Taking off tacklers, I think it was 12, 13 yards, just brought life into the team. At that moment, you're like, we're going to win this game.
1: Yeah, he looked like the LaShawn McCoy of old, getting that first down and extending that play to help them win the game. So yeah, good call, Mike.
3: And I think, kind of piggybacking off of things that have been said with the running game, McCoy is awesome. Feed him the ball, but Chris Ivory's impressed me. He's an idyllic change of pace back. Just He's got to get his touches, and Bruiser he beats up the... The defense.
1: Yeah, we haven't brought up Chris Ivory a whole lot, but he's definitely that great change of pace plotting running back. I think he's basically the guy that we wanted Mike Tolbert to be last season, but um, instead he was Mike Tolbert. So, uh, yeah, yeah, good call on Chris Ivory,
2: Mike. Uh, so actually, uh, this was actually from Sal Capaccio, um, the stat. So Chris Ivory had 14 carries. Nine of those carries were for either a first down or were on the critical final drive of the game where he gained 22 yards and led to that field goal at the end of the game. So obviously very, you know, very useful in that game.
1: Nice. And uh, thank you, John, for that stat. And now we're going to go to our portion of the podcast where we discuss our wall of famers for the game. So who stood out to you on offense, defense coaching that deserves to be put on your wall of fame? Um, I'm, I'll go first on my wall of fame. I don't know if it's going to be popular or not, but Stephen Hauschka. I mean, the guy drilling that 46-yard field goal to win it, um, I know in years past, with other kickers, we, we we would have been biting our fingernails. We didn't think it would happen. And then, you know, with the Stephen Hauschka signing, which has been one of the best free agent signings the Bills have had in recent years, I mean, he's just so reliable and... I just wasn't worried. I mean, you never know for sure that it's going to go through, but I didn't sit back there wondering if he was going to make it. I felt confident going into that game, 12-10, to the Bills kicking that field goal to win it, and I'm like, yeah, I think this is going to happen. So it would have actually surprised me had he not made that 46-yard field goal, which is not a short field goal by any means. So, yeah, Hauschka has definitely got to go on my wall of fame. What about you, John?
2: I agree 100%. I, You know, I was initially thinking defensive player, you know, they didn't let up any touchdowns, but how coming through at the end, especially with like the shenanigans with the holder, like messing up the other field goal, like having that in the back of his head, like, what if he screws this one up? Like didn't throw him off his game at all. It was fine. He did it. And they won.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It sometimes it feels like Hauschka has ice water in his veins, which is great. Uh, Mike, what about you? Who's on your wall of fame?
3: I want to go somewhere else desperately. I can't though. When they got within range, you knew it was over. You knew. And what what other player on the Bills has been like that over the last decade, right? Hauska was an amazing signing. We're so lucky to have him. We knew that kick was going in.
1: Nice. All three for Stephen Hauska did not see that one coming. Okay. I'd also like to give an honorable mention to Jerry Hughes, I know I've been kind of dogging Jerry Hughes this whole offseason, saying that he really needed to play up to his contract. I mean, the guy only had um, the most sacks that he had the last three seasons was six. And I know that he does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, but um, ever since the second half of that Chargers game, man, the guy's been lights out. He's been one of the the highest-rated edge defenders on pro football focus. And uh, he showed it again today, had a lot of pressure, had a sack, on Marcus Mariota and almost had another one and hasn't had any stupid penalties against him so I mean say what you will I, I obviously have said in the off season, I think he's doing great he has definitely stepped up and and shown a different level which I don't know we we haven't seen in a few years since uh, Mario Williams was here so that's great to see I'd like to give him an honorable mention um John do you have someone
2: Yes, actually, have two honorable mentions. I thought that uh, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, they picked up off of waivers, uh, formerly of the Dolphins, this week. He had two tackles for a loss this game. I thought he made an impact. Um, Also, Mike Hyde was out. His backup, Bush, was out. And Marlowe, who they brought up from the practice squad, came in. And I thought he had a pretty decent game, all things considered, especially with Mariota and the weapons that he has.
1: Absolutely, John. Uh, Mike, do you have any honorable mentions?
3: I have three honorable mentions, Nate. <laughs> no, it's called the Wall of Fame for a reason. There's one guy you pick. We picked house guy. I have no one else. watering down an award.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, er- everyone gets a trophy, right? <laughs> so, okay. So we gave our um, Wall of Famers and honorable mentions, and now we're going to go to the exact opposite side of the spectrum. And even though the Bills won, there were still parts of the game that, that definitely uh, could have done a little bit better. So let's start with uh, on my wall of lame for the game is got to be special teams. I thought that, um, you know, minus Stephen Hauschka's 46-yard field goal, uh, we already talked about that Corey Baroque's um, miscue on the fake field goal, which could have easily cost them the game. Luckily, it didn't. I thought the punt coverage was awful, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Dion Lacey just had a really rough game in punt coverage. Um he did have that one ball that was downed um on the four-yard line towards the end of the game, but he whiffed on a huge punt return early in the game, and he just he's just been looking out of place um, this season so far. And and I and this disappointing in general because this coaching staff in front office has placed a lot of emphasis on special teams with the players that they've drafted, the players that they've you know, picked up in free agency. So I guess I would have expected the special teams to be a little bit better than they were, or than they have been, especially with so much invested in there. So um, I guess I would have to say special teams is, should go on my wall of lame. Um, John, what about you? Who's, who who goes on your wall of lame?
2: Uh, And I, I completely agree. Special teams. I think Danny Crossman, Crossman. I don't know why he's still on the team. (laughs) After all these years, the coverage units, especially in the first half, were really poor. Obviously the the miscommunication for the fake field goal attempts that only the holder thought was the fake field goal, that was pretty bad. And and I agree with you on the mismanagement of the roster with special teams. I think even just not even just coming into the season, but like week to week with like who's on the inactive list, they're favoring special teamers over are there guys who could be contributing on offensive defense?
3: You guys are totally wrong. You can't say, oh, the the special teams, but accept all the greatest plays, right? Like, you can't equivocate like that, right? They downed the ball at the four, which is basically getting the ball back, which they did, which is awesome, which was great to see. They kicked the game-winning field goal, right? I mean, Green the Green Bay kicker, Crosby, right? We Missed five kicks today. That's a special team's lamer the 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 wall of lamer is the receiving core specifically Calvin benjamin um, who didn't show up again today right it's it's all on mccoy and josh allen who had to have his third rushing touchdown um, of the young season and if we could get some receivers it would be a completely different offense and completely different game plan week to week and we could play with some of these teams in higher scoring games.
1: The wide receiver core has been a major disappointment this season, and I think we're kind of going to see that from week to week. So that's why I didn't have them mentioned, but um as always Mike great points, but I just like to switch gears real quick to the big announcement for our podcast. So along with the Bills winning This week, um, we have some great news on the podcast as well. This last Thursday, it became official that the Circling the Wagons podcast became the flagship podcast of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network as part of SB Nation and Vox Media. Um, If you were a subscriber before this last week, uh, you'll notice our podcast logo, um, our Circling the Wagons podcast logo was replaced by the Buffalo Rumblings slash SB Nation logo. So that's how it's going to look from now on. Circling the wagons uh, should be the logo that you see when you when you click on the episode itself, but um, will also be in the title of each show. On a personal level, this is something that we're very excited about. Not only is Buffalo Rumblings a great site for all Bills news all the time, but it's one of our personal favorite sites. I know that when I was done with school um, a few years ago, um, when Brian had started this started the site. Um, I was. it was one of the few places that you could get Buffalo Bills news 24-7 because other than that, it was just buffalobills.com, which is obviously a slight bias towards the team. Or, you know, it was something major that happened in the in, in, for the Buffalo Bills that got on CBS or ESPN, and it usually wasn't something good. So um, this was up-to-the-minute information on, on the, everything Buffalo Bills. They have a huge following, um, and it's just it just gives us a chance to reach more people. And to, uh, you know, it's something that we're excited about. Our podcast is only going to get better from here. And, yeah. Yeah, so thanks to uh, Maverick Warren. And we're excited to be part of this podcast network so one thing i want to stress that although this is you know just just us three and you know we're going to do interviews and stuff as as time goes on in the off season when we're not doing recaps during the season and we'll make it a fun off season show uh for you guys um but but one thing i want to stress is this is a podcast for all bills fans so this is as much your podcast as it is ours i want you guys to feel free to email us and tweet us and we'll do our best to read what you guys send us and and make you guys a part of this show, you know, because even though we're the hosts and producing it, unlike other podcasts out there, we aren't media members. We are fans first and foremost. And I know that you guys all are, especially if you're listening to this and you're, and you're following Buffalo rumblings. So, um, so yeah, I just wanted to thank Buffalo rumblings for reaching out to us and uh, we're excited on this venture and yeah, it's going to be fun. So um, final thoughts on the game guys. What do you think?
3: I think we buried the lead with the podcast, right? Like this, the Bills have a great, with this win, they have a great chance of making the playoffs. If if you're two and three, you have a 23% chance of making it. And if you go one and four, you have a 5% chance. Like we, that's incredible. So it's, I don't think it's overstating it to say that this really saved the season, this game.
1: Yeah. Right now they're in control of their own destiny they are only one game behind the AFC East division leaders. The Dolphins and the Patriots are 3-2. and two. They are 2-3. and They're one game out. They're right in the thick of it. Yeah, this might have been a deciding game that, that could help them make the playoffs when all said and done. So yeah, let's look at next week even. The next game is against the 2-3 and three Houston Texans in Houston at 1 p.m. And uh, it is a very winnable game.
2: It's winnable, there, but you know they—they're a very dangerous team at the same time.
1: Yes, absolutely. But we are looking forward to the game this Sunday against the Texans. So for John,
2: let's go Bills, thirteen and three Super Bowl
1: for Mike, winning streak, and for me, Nate, go Bills. Thanks for listening. We're excited to be part of Buffalo Rumblings and SB Nation, and we look forward to recapping the game with you next week
3: against the Houston Texans.